time for your heart-stopping news-packed 60 minutes of radio adrenaline. Webmaster Radio presents The Pulse. The Pulse. Take your seat among the experts in the search engine marketing arena. This weekly radio show keeps you informed of the latest search news, offers insight on the biggest forum discussions, and puts your finger on the pulse of the search marketing community. Our hosts have made their way to the round table. The Pulse, the Pulse. starts now. Hello and welcome to the 31st edition of the, day, uh, the Search Pulse. Today is Tuesday, May 22nd. My name is Barry Schwartz. I'm from the Search Engine Roundtable at sdroundtable.com. And I also work and own rustybrick.com. With me today is Ben Pfeiffer, the Senior Editor of the Search Engine Roundtable from ranksmart.com, and Chris Boggs, the Associate Editor of the Search Engine Roundtable, who works in the SEO department as a search strategist at Avenue A Razorfish, also known as Microsoft. Nice, right? Yeah. Anyway. Very fun. <laughs> um, we'll explain that later, but guys, if you haven't uh, heard uh, last week's show, the 30th edition, uh, we talked about Mother's Day, we talked about some Google One Box stuff, we talked about a bunch of things um, that might be interesting, and I posted a link in the chat room to that. If you're not in the chat room right now, you can get to it by clicking on our archives at seroundtable.com on the left-hand side. Scroll down until you see the search pulse link, and then click on that. You'll see all of our past shows, um, including 30 of them or so. Um, now, I wanted to find out if, you know, if anybody's listening live, I want you to go ahead and email me. Um, please do that. I want to know if you guys are listening, so email me at barry at rustybrick.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y at rustybrick, R-U-S-T-Y, B-R-I-C-K dot com, and let me know if you guys are listening. And I'll keep you posted and let you know how many people are actually listening live. Obviously, there is a bunch of people that listen um, to the archives, but um, I want to know who listens live. It's kind of interesting for me. Anyway, um, I wanted to first discuss um, how Google has revamped the search results page by using something what they're calling universal search. And um, it was a big, big story last week, and still pretty big for SEOs and even for searchers, that the way their search results actually look today versus what they look like a week ago, um, it's pretty much a lot different. Um, what you now find is if you do a search in Google, sometimes you might see smack in the middle of a page um, a local result or a news result or a video result or some other types of results right in the middle of the page, meaning, um, like, let's say you have a local result, and I can show you examples, of the local result will take up three of the ten listings um, organic listings in the Google search results page. So if you search on New York dentist or Suffern dentist or some of those examples, um, you'll have six organic, uh, seven organic or listings, and you'll have another three, um, you know, dental local results. Meaning um, you don't have to have a web page, or you do have that. I mean, you don't, ha- you don't have to have, um, you know, a great ranking site in the organic results to rank on the first page for at Google. You could have a video that's in YouTube or in Google Video, or even in a third-party video that tends Google syndicating. You could have news results. You could be in Google News, and you could be included in that. You could be in the local results at Google Maps, and you could be in other types of um, verticals, um, and you could be included right in the first page in the top 10 results. And before, it was just um, 10 plus one box, and now it's no longer the case. So it was a pretty um, big announcement. I have a video over at the blog um, on May 17th that it shows most of this stuff in action. And um, I just wanted to, you know, get your guys' thoughts. I mean, obviously, it's a big thing. So, you know, let's start with Ben. Um, and, you know, let's hear your thoughts on this whole universal. Yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of liked it a little bit. It's been um, not as noticeable as I thought it was as I started going through the listings. And, and it, there's a lot of, like, that difference between, like, different searches you do. Like, the search for Paris Hilton is going to bring up some different results as opposed to search for, like, Lindsay Lohan, which has more images. Um, so, you know, I, and, and the addition of, like, let's say, 11th result in there. Um, so, and honestly, I have mo- mostly positive things to say about it. Um, as before, you know, a lot of the results had taken up a local stuff, and um, the kind of blending seems to work a little bit better. Cool, cool. And, yeah, we did see signs of this coming up. We did see um, previously, like, local results showing up. We also saw news results. Um, but this is everything right now, So, and it's live for 100% of everybody. Um, and, Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts overall on this. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, you know, we've been talking about little bits and pieces of this. If we were to spend some time and go back, and, and we probably really could put together a pretty cool little uh, compilation of the different uh, 
uh, you know, discussions we've had on, on the various pieces of this. Like, for example, I remember the uh, searches related to uh, that seems to be showing up at the bottom at some, in some, and, and, you know, we some of us are, I had once called it sort of becoming an ask, uh, ask-like uh, feature. And then, um, you know, I, I remember at one point we even talked about for example, there's a specific example that Marissa Meyer shows at, or Mayer, I never know how to pronounce her last name. Is it Meyer or Mayer, Barry? I think her and Tim are Meyer. Okay, cool. So anyway, Marissa Meyer, who's a really cool uh, lady, she's, she's a fun speaker to watch and everything. I think uh, she had a great post on it at the Google blog, and it's kind of funny that she used the uh, sample results page for Britney Spears way back in 2001. Who knew that that would still be one of the top searches of our day? Uh, but anyway, she, she points out the Darth Vader as being a really cool example of how, how great this, uh, this universal search is and how different it is. And you know, There's an image result up front, which has got three great images, all the real thing. Uh, and then you got halfway down a YouTube uh, with with a little uh, the video uh, the preview box sort of on the on the left and indenting the entire um, the entire listing. And then further down you have news results and then searches related to and then news archive results. So this is a great example of a of a really killer page. One thing on the searches related to, I remember specifically talking to this topic one time. It must have been months ago, but. I had uh, suggested that the bottom right out of the eight um, listings that they usually put in searches related to was sort of a wild card where they kind of went, they tried to go at least one semantic variation away from the topic. But it's funny because that seems to be completely omitted in this one. Obviously, I have to need, I need to look at some more searches related to, uh, to determine if that's still the case, but maybe they've scrapped that for a little while while they still try to uh, uh, finish that. It'd be cool to hear uh, if that's truth or not, but some really great stuff. Uh, I think this is really fun. Definitely. And I don't know if you guys remember um, back in 2003 when Danny wrote his article called Searching with Invisible Tabs, and that is what I, you know, I imagine this is. This universal is basically a way for Google to say, all right, I know what you're looking for. I know you're looking for a vertical search, and I'm going to go ahead and give you local results if you're searching, and I think that search is local. I'm going to give you news results if I think your search is news-related. And what Danny's Invisible Tabs article showed, um, basically Google and other search engines just can't keep adding all these, you know, links on the top of the search box saying, you know, if you want news results, click here. If you want blog results, click here. If you want image results, click here. The search engines have to be smart about it and actually give you what you want by you typing in two or three or four words into a search box. And, and that, that's really, um, well, you know, was like a wow factor to me that, you know, it's really here today, and obviously it will improve, but Google is making a statement by saying it's here, and when they actually, what they, part of that actual um, release was they moved the navigational elements, those tabs, all the way to the tippy top, you know, all the way to the extreme top left of the page, and it's throughout all of Google's uh, platforms right now and all of Google's products. So um, I wonder what day, when they actually will remove that navigation, those tabs from the actual page and see if it becomes truly an invisible you know, tab approach. So those are my thoughts overall. And if you want more, there's tons of discussion over at you know, the blog at seroundtable.com, May 17th post, named Google Revamp Search Results Landscape with Universal Search. Anybody else want to add anything else before we go on to the next topic? I guess not. So we are good. The next thing I wanted to discuss was a big announcement um, by Microsoft who has acquired uh, Chris. Chris is now owned by Chris Box. You know, he's on the air right now. He's actually owned by Microsoft now. It's true. I'm not joking. He is owned by Microsoft, and uh, Microsoft bought his parent company, which owns Avenue A Razorfish, which is a company that Chris works for. Um, Microsoft um, wants to do it, obviously. They, want, they spent about $6 billion, I think. Um, they wanted to buy them because they're an online advertising agency. Um, part of that is um, Chris's company, which does in part SEO and PPC for other companies and the whole big scandal about how Microsoft could own a SEO and PPC company and the whole scandal about how Google could own DoubleClick, um, which is, you know, like an, which, which owns, um, what's the company they own, Atlas? I forgot, some company they own it, which is also a, um, a, an SEO PPC company. So, Chris, I thought you would take this and little speak as much as you can. I know you can't say a lot, but let's see what you can say. So, Chris, first, okay, congratulations. Great. Yeah, it was a pretty, you know, 
pretty shocking news on Friday when when uh, I woke up and I was reading through some stuff and I got an email and uh, we heard the announcement. Um, you know, you're saying bought, and obviously uh, I know that you you understand. But uh, just to clarify, uh, the deal has not gone through yet, so uh, it still has to go through uh, the, you know the government and and all those other avenues to make sure that uh, every all the T's are crossed properly and the I's are dotted and. Uh, so until then, obviously, you know, any, any talk about the deal being done is, is, is speculation, and I, I can't really uh, specifically speak to anything to, towards what Microsoft uh, might have thought or, or, or my personal feelings on the deal. But I, I can give you some, um, you know, some, some comments from an A Quantiv or an, an Avenue A Razorfish standpoint. And first of all, I mean, we're, we are going to be maintaining our independence from Microsoft. Uh, they don't, they, as, as they've announced, they have no intention of spinning out the brand or, or taking away that independence, which is a very important part of what makes Avenue A Razorfish, Avenue A Razorfish. It's, it's a really cool company, and, and you know, clearly Microsoft values the, the amazing work and the skill sets the, uh, that our team brings to bear. Huh? And, and, you know, I think uh, that together we can offer more value to clients than either company can offer separately. Uh, that brings, you know, the next point to mind is that we are, you know, of course remaining uh, search engine agnostic when it comes to uh, serving our clients. We, we are going to provide, um, you know, search, uh, paid search services and SEO services with, with all search engines in mind. And, uh, you know, obviously we can't say that we're going to be favoring um, any particular <laughs> search engine in the future. Uh, additionally, you know, we have about 1,700 people worldwide and, uh, our, our leadership and, and, you know, expertise in the media buying and web development is going to give Microsoft, I think, you know, and, and a lot of people in our, in our organization think that it's going to give Microsoft an advantage that didn't really previously exist in terms of working with advertisers and providing them with the tools that make their brands more valuable. And then, you know, lastly, I think, and, and this is a great point that's been kind of hammered home from our uh, our leadership, our senior executives' perspective, is that, the uh, the emerging media segment of it, you know, we got a ton of expertise in this area, and and Microsoft does well as well. And these are the you know emerging media is, is a topic and 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 uh, an industry onto itself almost that uh, you know with uh, with our technologies and and solutions uh, along with Microsoft they complement one another really nicely, and by collaborating I think you know and and, and the company feels that we can accelerate the speed in which you know we bring things to market so it's going to be really cool i'm really excited about it um you know it's funny uh hopefully i'll be able to share some of my own personal feelings about this you know in a few months because i'd love to but if you know me i I, I, of course chat with you off the record but uh, i'm i'm really excited and as is everyone else in 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 our office and in the other offices there's a great buzz going around and it, it could be a really great deal so hopefully that was enough. That's that's all I can really go into, though. Well, yeah, that's definitely more than I would have expected, and I appreciate it, Chris. And again, a big congratulations from you know me, and I think Ben might have some questions. Some, some, uh, uh, yeah, just briefly, Chris. Uh, in terms of the, like the chatter that's been going around in your office, I mean, you know, from what I've known, like Avenue A and like you know specifically, Equanim uh, have been you know pretty solidly run companies. You know, do they see any changes when Microsoft is going to come in and do anything, or are they just going to kind of let the you know, properties themselves maintain the, the cohesive business that they've established and just kind of uh, leverage some of the assets? Well, again, uh, you know, to reiterate, my, we will maintain our independence from Microsoft, and uh, I think that there's no intention on Microsoft's part of, uh, of, you know, coming in and micromanaging us, <laughs> as it were. Uh, you know, there's jokes about how we're not going to be able to use Apples and, and, and Macs anymore on the creative side and everything, so that's the natural jokes. But, you know, uh, Microsoft, the reason they bought Aquanav is because they like what they saw. That doesn't mean that they're going to go in and change every, everything. That's my opinion on it, and that seems to be what uh, you're seeing in the press that's being released by both PR departments as well. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Um, I think what we'll do is... Does that, does that answer your question? Hopefully, that's as much it, as I it can, It does, ben. it does, yeah. Did you have anything else, Ben? I'm, I'm curious to hear your, your guys' take <laughs> on the deal. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I can't talk to it as much as you guys can, so let's see what you guys think. Let's hear what Well, I, I think it's a pretty good deal, honestly. I think if they could have picked anybody, they probably picked the, you know, the, the right you know, the companies to buy uh, in terms of getting into the, 
into the game, so to say. Um, you know, I haven't looked over completely. I was watching the actual stock, actually, for about a couple months, and then I saw it, like, triple overnight or double overnight, and I was like, man, I should have bought that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's all I have. Yeah, Chris, you're pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> um, you definitely deserve it. Uh, when did you start working over there? I started, it was a year ago, uh, May 15. So, um, oh, good you know, that's another joke. There's, there's a Chris that sits near me, and we were both convinced that our, our name came up in the takeover uh, discussions and as one of the big reasons that Microsoft wanted uh, Avenue A and they wanted <laughs> so we were laughing about that. So. Right, yeah, definitely. But if you want my personal opinion, I don't know if you want it or not, but I think they should uh, tell you guys off. I don't think Microsoft, if they're doing search, should have a hand in uh, an SEO company. Um, those are my. I think Google should do the same thing. And uh, I think your your opinion, Barry, is not in the minority. From what I've been monitoring, a lot of people that are inside the industry feel that there's a an almost like a kissing your sister kind of feeling going on. So it'll be interesting to see how it shapes out. That's for sure. I mean, you'll see. We'll talk later today about how Yahoo was caught cloaking because um, a guy named Mugshot in the chat room was, you know, wanted to have too much fun over there. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm just joking. But yeah, Yahoo was caught cloaking, and uh, obviously this separate division, and they didn't know about it. Then the Yahoo search team told them, "Hey, you can't do this," and they stopped doing it. But there is, I'm, they're not like an SEO company. They do SEO for their own sites, obviously. Um, but to sell SEO services is even more of a, uh, you know, to third-party companies, that, is, I think, is even more of a conflict of interest. Even though you can keep them totally separate, I still think people might say, hmm, what's going on here? Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Google, I think both Google and Microsoft said they're going to keep both companies. So we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. And obviously, I want whatever's best for you guys. So um, Especially, you know, Chris, you've been doing a great job over there. So it should be fun for you guys to see what's going on next week. And I know they made a statement that they're actually going to keep you guys, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And your buddy um, Mugshot thinks that Kirk Kevorkian is eventually going to buy Google, MSN, and Yahoo, so you heard it here <laughs> first from the chat room. <laughs> right, is that an official Yahoo statement? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyway. It's from the chat room. <laughs> hey, Mugshot, anything you say in the chat room can make it onto the show. Be careful. Anyway, all right, so let's hit a commercial break now. When we come back, we'll talk about AdSense arbitrage, so it should be fun. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse. We'll be back after this short break. It's a no-brainer. Reaching customers everywhere they search is smart business. However, reaching them through web and mobile search as well as free directory assistance with effective pay-per-call advertising is, well, ingenious. Ingenio Pay-Per-Call delivers highly targeted phone call leads to businesses looking for new customers. And the advertising business only pays for new customer lead. Call 1-800-705-0632 today to ask about your free trial or go to Ingenio.com slash web radio. That's Ingenio.com slash web radio. Ingenio. Simply ingenious. Welcome to the 11th Annual International Web Award Competition. Walk the red carpet as the Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the Web Awards, recognizing the best websites in 96 different industries. Winners receive a beautiful image plaque or certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from the expert judges, links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site, and a free press release from PR Web. So the winner goes to... Well, you'll have to see for yourself. You can't win if you don't enter. Go to www.webaward.org to enter and win. Hurry, deadline for entry is May 31st. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more 
more details. Value Click Media. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Learning how to monetize your domains. Zero dollars. Listening to affiliate marketing tips on your iPod. Zero dollars. Getting the latest search news on your cell phone. Zero dollars. Listening to Dave N. talk about garlic breath. Well, worthless. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Now, back to The Pulse, Pulse. only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to The Search Pulse. This is, again, the 31st edition. Today is Tuesday, May 22nd. I'm Barry Schwartz, and with me is Chris Boggs and Ben Pfeiffer. Um, The next topic I wanted to discuss was arbitrage. And I know, Chris, you talked about this a lot in the past. This has been talked a lot about in the forums, and a lot of people have been complaining about this, is where... You have um, you know AdSense AdSense publishers creating you know websites and pages that are all only the reason all, all they do is pretty much build them just to, for AdSense. They're obviously made for AdSense sites, and not all arbitrage are MFAs made for made for AdSense sites, but um, some of them are. So what they do is um, they build a web they build um, they build a web page. They put AdSense on it. Um, they target a certain keyword, whatever that keyword is. Then they'll go ahead and go to Google and other search engines and drive traffic through, um, you know, paid ads through the search engine. They'll get clicks to it. They'll bring them over to their site and then try to make money, in ar- you know, in arbitrage style. So let's say they're paying Google, I don't know, twenty cents for a, per click on an ad that you that you're buying in the search results. And then what you do later is somebody clicks onto from that, on that ad. They pay you. They pay Google twenty cents, which you pay Google. And then you go ahead and um, that person clicks on your ad, and that ad it goes for a dollar. So you're making you know eighty cents or so or so on that transaction. And then this is called arbitrage, called AdSense arbitrage, and it's obviously done a lot. Um, it's even done on a large scale. But I think Google's targeting the sites that are pretty much not um, you know they're made for AdSense sites. So AdSense arbitragers, specifically MFAs, have been getting email notifications from supposedly getting email notifications from Google saying, hey, we are shutting you guys down. Um, Search and Watch had a statement um, from Google, and I'm going to read that statement once I pull it up. Um, sorry, it's taking a little longer to pull up. Where is it? Uh, here it is. So the statement says, according to this, this is an ongoing part of the initiative on the content network, and Google said, um, at Google, we're always focused on how we can make the user experience as positive as possible while still providing value to our publishers and advertisers. As part of this effort, we continually conduct automated and manual reviews of publishers and sites and violate our policies. In some cases, violations of our program policies will result in termination from AdSense program. But Google didn't deny it. They're basically saying we do terminate people. And this is one of the reasons why we're terminating people. And it's huge. I mean, the thing is, it's a big thing for Webmaster World. It's a big thing for Digital Point Forums. Lots of discussion going on about this. And I think we should ask, you know, Chris, what your thoughts about this whole topic are. Well, this is uh, an interesting topic. First of all, uh, when I was doing a little bit of research before the show, I did a couple searches on this just to see how we, uh, as in Search Engine Roundtable, is, is ranking for the terms MFA and made for AdSense. It's kind of funny. If you do the search for MFA, there's a uh, the un- new universal search feeling to the search. But unfortunately, they don't suggest as one of the searches related to MFA made for AdSense. I wonder if I wonder why that is. But anyway, if you go back forward to the made for AdSense search, actually uh, at number eleven and twelve is uh, is a couple of your posts, Barry, from the roundtable. So congratulations on that. Although it would be nice if we could move that up into the first page for all you guys listening out there. I want to build a few links uh, to that using uh, made for AdSense as the anchor text. Anyway. Um, so I, I think it's um, it's funny, like you said. You know, you wrote about this, and, and we've written about this for for a while. Uh, the last really big one was one from July 10th when you said, uh, uh, "Are they being targeted by Google based on an inside AdWords blog entry?" And uh, it seems like it takes about 10 months to a year 
to, for something like this to really um, gain, you know, enough uh, technical uh, ability or legs to stand on so that they could actually do it. So um, it'll be interesting. It shows that Google is not as greedy as some would think because, uh, you know, one of the big arguments that people had was that, oh, Google will never shut them down because they're making so much money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this shows that uh, Google is, in fact, um, you know, uh, trying to help improve the overall relevancy of their search results without uh, taking additional money uh, and kind of just uh, saying nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So I think it's great news, and it'll be uh, really interesting come July 1st, uh, after a month or so of this, to see how different some of the search results are for especially really competitive terms uh, in the arbitrage field. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more from Frank Watson, a.k.a. Aussie Webmaster, on this subject, as well as, uh, as some of the other people out there that have really uh, capitalized on this type of activity in the past. Right. And as you said, there's, you know, I heard reports of even people making $70,000 a month um, being shut down. I mean, not making, maybe spending $70,000 a month at Google and then being shut down. So it's pretty interesting to see Google shutting these people down. I think it's great as well. Um, and Ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think though on a, on the long term, it go like seventy thousand dollars. I mean, over a period of time is great, but like you know, for the long term, this is kind of like a festering sore for Google in terms of you know bad PR and, and stuff that's going on, and people that are making their money doing this stuff too. I think you know they kind of should have expected this in the long run. It's like it's okay, well we can get away with it at first, and yeah, we're going to make some money and, and this and that. But you know, over time, you know, eventually they're going to catch on. This is you know more and more people are going to you know want to learn how to do this. I mean, if you do a search like Chris just did for uh, made for AdSense, like the second one is like. Um, some like ebook or something like that about how to make you know ten thousand dollars a month with you know made for AdSense websites um, and largely I don't you know think a lot of people really like to see made for AdSense sites out there too they don't actually add a whole lot of value uh, necessarily and I think that's probably one of the reasons they just want to shut them down and you know start this you know kind of traditional Google lynching party um, to to police it a little bit um, I was at a I met with a large vertical search engine a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about arbitrage just specifically on their site. And I kind of compared, you know, what they were doing a little bit to arbitrage, and they were like, no, 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 no. And I said, and I said well, why not? And they said, well, we add a lot of value. And I said, oh, that's the catchword there. If you add value, then you're not doing arbitrage. Um, so I guess, you know, one reason that they're, you know, cracking down on this is that those sites aren't necessarily going to add any value, and they're just, even if they're making money, in the long term, like I said, it's, it's not going to be a um, prof- profitable thing for them. Yeah. Yes, One more thing. Uh, the it, I'm glad you brought me back to that search again, Ben, because I had really been looking uh, purely on the organic side. If you look at the sponsored links for that uh, that search, it's some amazing results. You know, the the title of the number two uh, sponsored is "Don't Be a Stupid Jerk," and then it's "Let Some Schmuck Show You How to Earn Big Cash with AdSense." <laughs> I changed the name. It's not Let Some Schmuck. It's actually somebody's name, just in case anyone was wondering. Uh, and then after that, the next three or four ads are all about making money, made, make millions, et cetera, exclamation points everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. All these people are in for a rude awakening when all these people that have paid them to do this, to learn how to do this, are suddenly going to get shut down. So, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be the number one sponsor link is a Google AdSense ad. <laughs> yeah, the first one. The first one is, which must be made, uh, on a uh, on a broad match for AdSense, I guess. But the rest of them are uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can right. start your AdSense empire anytime. <laughs> right. Here it's, they should put the official site for made for AdSense site. <laughs> right. I mean, it's my opinion that these guys will adapt and they'll find some other ways to, you know, make their money in some other form, but. I think it's. I think they'll adapt and continue doing what they're doing in this in this space, and we'll and we'll see. I mean, Ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree in terms of adapting. I don't think it's a bad way to make money at all. Like, I mean, I, you know, if the opportunity's out there, then go for it. I mean, that's what we're all working online for is just to you know try to exploit some of these things and loopholes and and whatnot. But you know, I, you know, if you're doing this, you definitely have to be like aware that like they're going to get shut down in any day. And if you do, you're making seventy thousand dollars a month turns to zero. Then you know, it's just kind of you know, it's more of a risky, I guess, money making opportunity. Right. Right. All right. So let's move on to the next topic. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, right now, if you go to Google Trends, the number 50, 
the 54th most hottest trend for today is Google Hot Trends, which is pretty interesting. What, what Google Hot Trends is, it was released last night, is a way for Google to show you what are the most, um, I don't know, popular, not popular, the most, um, I guess the hottest uh, search queries for that time frame. So, for example, today, um, what are the most, you know, pop, not popular, but most, you know, exciting and most new tr- uh, trends in search? And what they do is they look at a spike in the actual search volume for a query. So, for example, let's say you have, um, let's say you have a word, and one example is this. Uh, I'll use another example. Uh, Jewish holiday is coming up today, uh, tom- tonight. Really, it's called Shavuos, and people are doing a lot of searches on it today and yesterday. So that became a, a number thirty-six in Google Hot Trends today at some point because. Normally, throughout the year, people don't search on it, but there's a scene, Google saw a spike in searches over the past few days because it's coming up as a, as a holiday you know, tonight, so people have been searching on it. Um, there's other examples, and obviously, that why is number, why is, you know, number 54 is Google Hot Trends, because now people are actually searching on it because people are writing about it. And For example, if I, you, you look at um, Google's Hot Trends, just go to, Google, go to trends.google.com, you'll be able to see it, and there's, under, the, under the search box are the hot trends. You can click on more and you can see more. It actually shows you news articles that are related to it. And you'll see, um, you know, we're mentioned there, New York Times is mentioned there, Search Engine Land and uh, Pandia. There's also blogs. The Google blogs listed there, Big Mouth Media blog, TechCrunch is listed there, and those have web results. And it shows you the, the spike of search volume from, you know, this, you know, you know, you know, a 24-hour period. It shows you the spike and how, how it increased. It also tells you the peak and related searches. So it's pretty interesting. I think it's pretty cool. Um, there's many examples where it doesn't work 100%, but there's also a lot more examples where it shows it's very good. And how could search engine you know, marketers use this? They see something on the Hot Trends page, you know, write a blog post about it, monetize on it, because a lot of people will be searching on it, and if you're included in Google News, if you're included in Google Blog Search, if you're included in the web results in your index quickly, you could quickly rank you know, on the top results for that and get a lot of traffic for something that a lot of people are searching on. And why might somebody search on a weird keyword? Because, I don't know, I mean, let's say somebody mentioned on the news, search this or search that. And there's lots of good examples of why a popular uh, a query, a query might spike up and become popular in one day and might die down the next day. So that's where a search marketer come into play. Um, let's start with Ben and like, get your thoughts on Google Hot Trends. Uh, this is a fun tool, man. This, you could spend some time, wasting some time, <laughs> typing in some search phrases in here. Um, I, I found it kind of uh, fun and, and very and, and quite actually kind of useful if you're comparing a couple different terms um, and, and seeing like where the spikes in you know search volume are coming from and based on regions and cities and languages and stuff. And then you know they kind of post in some like news releases stuff in here as well. Um, and then you can do some searches for like even your own name and stuff like that are kind of interesting. Uh, so I, I, I thought the tool was really neat. It, you know, a, a great product from from Google. I don't know. I can't imagine how they're going to really implement this yet. But um, uh, you know, it, it's it, I have having fun with it. Cool. And Chris, have you had time to look at it? Well, I, I really haven't played much with it. I was actually doing a little bit of research just to look back because this reminded me of the bursiness concept, which. Uh, it's something that John Kleinberg did. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember it. It would be great if we had Bill Stosky or someone like that on here to really uh, maybe tell us whether or not this is actually part of, uh, of, of this algorithm, or I don't know if they would have access to it. But essentially, um, he devised uh, the search algorithm. And I'm taking this from the context weblog at straddle3.net. But if you search burstiness, B-U-R-S-T-I-N-E-S-S, you'll find it. Uh, anyway, it's uh, something that Kleinberg was working on a, way, a ways back, and it was um, it, it's interesting because it, it seems to uh, uh, seem this this two topics mirror nicely. So I'm curious if they uh, used any of his work. Have you guys heard of any relation between that? I don't know if you've read some of the the threads on this subject or not. No. Uh, Seen any anyone else compare that or not, or maybe I'm just on crack or something. Hey, you want to know how they're coming up with this? I mean, how they coming yeah, up? Yeah, I'm just what? wondering. Do you guys think that that's related at all to Kleinberg's work on burstiness, from what your experience is with it? I'm sure using a bunch of algorithms. I think it's a lot related to the blogs, what blogs are writing about, what news sites are writing about, um, and obviously it's just the surge and stress. I I don't know how complicated the algorithm is. I, I'm not. I wouldn't look into it that much. I mean, I don't know. 
Well, the, the, a lot of some of these terms are also similar to um, Bill Tancher's stuff over at Hitwise. I mean, you all have watched, y'all seen that blog, obviously, a lot. And he'll kind of profile, you know, various searches and predict, like, who's going to win American Idol and stuff like that. And so some of these trends, you know, you can kind of see. And this is based on search volume, but, you know, he's taking some ISP data and doing the same kind of similar things on what's going on here. And his are a little bit more, I think, accurate. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a similar type of thing, and it, I guess it has a lot of value to it. Like I kind of mentioned, you know, he tried to predict American Idol winner and actually successfully did so based on search volume. All right, so that covers hot trends. Um, move on to the next topic. Well, actually, I think it's time to do the next 15 minutes, so we have to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some SEO topics, which might be fun and both useful. So let's do a commercial break now. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse, Pulse. will be back after this short break. Radio.fm proudly presents Inspirational Moments by David Naylor. And this morning, yeah, we sat in the bar, I put my hand in my pocket, and there's like peanuts in my pocket, and I'm like, where the fuck did they come from? Oh yeah, that's put a whole bowl of fucking nuts on my head, I'm like, dude, don't put your nuts on my head. <laughs> Tune in for more Inspirational Moments with David Naylor and Mikkel DeMint. Every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Strike Point. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's ClickSOR.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. Attention, WebmasterRadio.fm loyal listeners and our premium podcasters. If you are experiencing trouble listening or downloading from WebmasterRadio.fm, you can help us help you help you. Email us at support at WebmasterRadio.fm. That's support at WebmasterRadio.fm. Our staff will go into action to fix broken links, podcast, and streaming issues. WebmasterRadio.fm is dedicated to providing the most optimized listening experience anywhere. WebmasterRadio.fm is proud to stream our first class program by providing multiple listen live links on our homepage via our new content delivery network Akamai. Help us to keep everyone in the B2B business world connected to webmasterradio.fm Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your costs and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the ISEDN.org. Now, back to The Pulse, Pulse. only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host... Hello and welcome back to the Search Pulse. This is the 31st edition, 31st edition, and today is Tuesday, May 22nd. My name is Barry Schwartz, and with me, as always, is Ben Pfeiffer and Chris Box. Um, the next topic I wanted to discuss was an article um, from Search and Watch um, about small stuff and SEO. Um, basically, should you sweat small stuff by Joe Whalen? And that's the question out there. Like when you're focusing on doing search engine optimization, how important are these little small things that you have to do? And I wanted to 
um, you know, ask Chris because I know you're the you're an organic guy. So, what are your thoughts overall on the small stuff versus the large stuff versus everything? What, where would you place everything in this article? Uh, well, the small stuff is the large stuff is the small stuff. <laughs> Uh, you know, this is kind of one of those, uh, shoot, I can't think of a good $10 word for the type of uh, conversation it is, but it, it, it's definitely, it, it, well, you could argue yourself back and forth on this for a while, and uh, there's plenty of people that would claim that some things are small and others are large, but it really depends on each and every site or page that you're working on, actually. I mean, you know, for one page that you're working on, it could be something as simple as, uh, Removing a view state uh, tag or, or um, moving it or, or a title or, so, you know, something really uh, that would almost seem small to others. And, and for others, they would see that as the most glaring thing that needs to be done. So uh, sweating the small stuff is the kind of uh, uh, topic where you could talk yourself in circles for a while. But cool. yeah, I like to sweat the small stuff, and and that's what you know. That's what every every SEO, and and, and maybe you guys will disagree, but everyone who does SEO, uh, you know, the, the the more that they can spend on the the small stuff, and also looking at the big picture, and thinking down the road, okay, the small stuff, quote unquote, could be done first, and it really may cause for the most initial boost uh, in, in some cases. So. Sweating the small stuff could be something that you have to do right away when you're still quote unquote fresh, and then going for sort of the bigger stuff, and, and and vice versa. You know, some people would go for what they think is bigger, and another person would think is smaller. So, like I said, I could talk myself in circles for this for a while, and I, I, I'm curious to hear what Ben feels on it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've got a pretty clear stance on this. Um, you know, Jill Whalen, I know you mid Barry, you mentioned that particular article about don't sweat the small stuff or whatever. Um, Anyway, I won't get too much into that article. But uh, for the most part, you know, like I tell a lot of clients I work with specifically that, like, small changes can have, like, profound results um, in the search engines. And, you know, sometimes just a small addition of, like, adding a single keyword or keyword phrase in a title tag that can, like, raise, you know, you know ranking uh, for a website, you know, 10, 20 places. Um, so, yeah, the small stuff, um, in my opinion, you know, definitely is, is worth a look and to spend the time at. I mean, you know, as Barry mentioned in his post, you know, it develops good um, habits for SEO, and um, it also makes you a better SEO and more focused on specific things that happen. I mean, if you take a general approach that don't sweat the small stuff and you need to focus on trust and age and brand and this and that, you know, you really kind of don't really understand actually what's going on with your website, and the search is just ranking you regardless um, just based on, you know, your brand-building capabilities. Um, but when you're working with smaller websites that, you know, these small changes can have um, a lot of profound results in the engines, um, just based on small things that they can do, you know, it, it is important. Um, and yet you can well, you can talk yourself in circles in this and see, like, should I put a comma here? Should I do that? Should I place this? How long should the title tag be, you know? And, um, you know, those are good points and those stuff, that stuff that you shouldn't really sweat too much. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you're optimizing, you're definitely having to look at the small stuff. I mean, just taking a, like I mentioned, broad-based approach on it by just, you know, we're just going to work on our branding. You know, this is not really going to get you as far, you know, as quick as you want to get. Very nice. And Chris, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I think that, you know, you, um, Ben just hit on a, a perfect example of something that could be considered huge or could be considered small for a particular page, and that is adding another keyword in the title. And, and you know that, and then there's so many different layers as to what the small stuff is, because when you talk about small stuff like a change in a keyword uh, and a title, those, that gives the ammunition to the people out there that are like, SEO's not rocket science and all this stuff, and then they're like, you know, you should just be able to do, quote-unquote, the small stuff or the best practices and and then you'll be fine and then you know don't pay too much for SEO or or don't do this or don't do that because that's just small stuff but well in fact you know it takes a lot of experience and 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 some serious understanding of the com competition the the state of the current website and how the rest of the site can help support a particular page for a particular keyword and and so much more things where someone could consider that someone who may call SEO rocket science would consider that title change small stuff but chances are that there's a lot more more than I mean, and and someone who's an expert like Ben would almost mention it in passing, almost like you did, Ben, and when you said that, and that's just because you're an expert and you've done this for a long time, and there was a lot more that went into your decision to make that title change than just the fact that it's a small keyword addition to the title. So, mm -hmm. right. 
Well, I tend to take the big approach, and I don't really offer SEO, so that's why I take that approach, because we'll build our, our you know, applications and content management systems and whatever we build to make sure that it's, you know, it, it enforces the, the user, whoever's adding, adding the content, to add the keywords in the right places, and it automatically uh, will produce those keywords in the right locations in the, in the source code, which kind of is a small stuff, but it's at a large scale. So I, I don't, you know, it's really, as you said, like Chris said at the beginning, Small stuff adds up to big stuff, and big stuff is really small stuff. So it's really all the same. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, I guess. So, I want to add a little bit to that. I mean, Barry makes a good point in terms of, like, looking at small stuff in the beginning and not having to worry about it later on. So in, in a lot of ways, it's it's just it's all about your approach. I mean, I know I've worked with a lot of clients, you know, specifically from larger agencies who have these big-name clients. We go in and we look at the website, and it's just a complete mess. And they've got to redo a lot of stuff and to get where they want, and they want to rank really highly. But they never really thought about kind of the small stuff in the beginning in terms of you know where should we place this, and you know should we actually look and research keywords, or should we just you know go out and do stuff? Um, and oftentimes, you know, SEOs in house I've seen, and also even web um, specifically um, agency folks get kind of um, oh, how do I put it. Um, scared by web developers who won't do any of this type of work. So they, you know, so in a lot of ways, um, if you find a good web developer or somebody that can actually think about the small stuff in the beginning, then you won't have to sweat the small stuff later on. Right. Great. Okay. Um, next thing about, you know, the small stuff, there's a lot of small things you got to do, and that's getting links by link by link. And there's a great article about ethical link bait. And at what point have you crossed the line? So, for example... I don't know. I mean, there's lots of stories out there. There's the person who reportedly divorced, um, you know, who's a divorced husband actually. Um, ha- all he had was his ex-wife's wedding dress, and he tried selling it on eBay. And that drove a lot of buzz on the web. There was the whole concept of um, all those link bait out there. So, like, the person who threatened to kill his hamster, behead his hamster if he didn't send them, like, PayPal and five bucks or something. There was a lot of these things, different things out there, and that was, like, the Save Toby campaign. It was pretty funny. Lots of different hoaxes out there that um, drove a lot of link bait um, and a lot of other, you know, buzz around the, on the, around the web. The question is, at what point do you cross the line with that? Do you think the Save Toby campaign, uh, where the person threatened to kill his rabbit, was... Unethical, an unethical uh, for a link bait. So that's that's the question out there that I pose you guys, and I guess we'll start with Ben this time. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, that line? yeah. <laughs> kill a ferret. <laughs> There's some chatter in the chat room. Um, I, I just don't like link baits. It's real dishonest to the point where it's it's like distorts like actually what's going on. I mean, you know, the Save Toby thing was pretty funny. I raced rabbits when I was a kid, and, and, and you know, killing a rabbit was not a really big deal, but to a lot of people, you know, some people it is. Um, and so, I, you know, if it becomes, to, you know, specifically dishonest or malicious or it's intended to hurt somebody, like kind of like a tack hook or a tack link bait, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that, and I, nor do I use tactics like that. But I guess it's kind of a gray area, and since, you know, there's people are just trying to push buttons and to get illicit response. Um, so, you know, if we chop the ha- hamster's head off, then people are going to be kind of outraged. Or there was like that one example I think Tamar made that, um, you know, about the dogs that got out from their you know, the, the black labs. You know, that's ridiculous. You know, if they want to, like, go ahead and exploit that, you know, because the dogs got out, well, there's millions of lost dogs every single day. Um, why are these any more special than the others? So uh, that's my take on it. Cool. And, Chris, how far would you go? Well, you know, it really depends on the uh, industry that you're working with, I would say, in this particular instance. I mean, uh, this is funny because the Save Toby example is one that I have used uh, in the past few SESs during the link baiting and viral marketing panel, and it always gets a bunch of laughs, but it, it's really uh, uh, one of those things that not everyone would dare, as it were, to employ. And, and I'm not really, that wasn't really meant to be link bait. Of course, it turned out to be an amazing piece of link bait. What was actually happening was the person was trying to drive money through PayPal. And long story, you can go check it out at safetoby.com. But uh, the, the, the moral of the story is that something like that that drives attention now a days can be related or, or instantly uh, equated to being great link bait. And uh, if you're in an industry uh, that is maybe a little bit more more willing to 
live on the edge and, and occasionally use sex or, or drugs or rock and roll to, to drive your, uh, your marketing, which is a great thing. I think uh, Webmaster Radio itself is, is a great user of sex and drugs and rock and roll to drive their marketing. So, uh, you know, that, that there's nothing that's wrong with that. And, and I'm sure that something like that would be more likely for Webmaster Radio to try to do to drive link bait. But if you're talking about uh, Johnson's baby or, or something like that where you're try, you know, trying to drive links to a, a baby product site, for example, uh, you're going to have to be a lot more limited in what you choose to do. And, and, and the ethical lines, you have to go to the lowest possible line, you know, where the most conservative person that may have a loud mouth in the form of a blog that gets read a lot could really turn this into a bad PR nightmare for you. Now, then again, uh, you know, it could be a situation where do you want to deal with that PR nightmare and then have the extra thousand links that came about as a part of it or not. So this, it, the ethics is just something else to consider in when you're, you're making your overall link uh, building strategy. And link bait is something that, uh, you know, obviously ethics can come into play every once in a while. Very nice, very nice. Um, okay, while we're on the topic of links, there's a question in high rankings forums about does Google split or stem anchor text, meaning if you have a keyword such as, uh, I don't know, what's a good example? Let's say high rankings as a keyword. And one person, I, I linked to high rankings forum, putting high rankings together as one word. Um, will Google see that as two different words if it's, linked, if it's one word in the link or not? And, um, and I mean, that's my question. Um, there's a lot of good things out there. I don't think, um, I don't think, I used some examples in the post, I don't think, um, Google will automatically separate um, the actual uh, anchor text to say it's actually two words. I think they'll consider it as one, but I'm sure there's a little bit more involved. So I wanted to start with Chris and get your thoughts on, on that question. Uh, I'm sorry. I was catching up in the, <laughs> the forum. Can you start with Ben? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I, 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 I kind of agree with Barry, Barry in terms of your sentiments on this. Uh, I don't think you know if you're using anchor text, Google's going to go ahead and split it out. Um, you know, based on the, the words in there. Um, you know, I, if you look past some, like, SEO contests, contests in the past, too, in terms of, like, gibberish text they've created or, you know, combined words and, you know, use a lot of targeted anchor text in order to rank those pages, you know, Google hasn't really split out those pages specifically if you do searches, you know, with terms separated. Um, so, you know, I kind of um, I agree with the sentiments on the thread, and it was also Barry that, you know, they're not necessarily segregating out the words. Cool. Yeah, I really would like to take a little bit more time to look over this one because this isn't one that I had a chance to read about earlier on. And, and uh, although I certainly have an opinion right now, which is that you know Google uh, knows how to handle these uh, multiple words within both uh, within every concept. I mean, you know, you can see it when you look at search results, and and, and they're uh, highlighting every one of the keywords that you used in your search, whether it be in the URL or the description or the title or whatever. So. Um, I, I would lean towards thinking that Google probably can do m or handle more than some people are thinking, but I would like to read the rest of the of the thread before uh, to giving a full opinion. Sure, no problem. Ben, anything else to add? Yeah, I kind of agree with Chris in terms of like the, it's possible that they probably can do this, but like I, you know, in terms of the, in, in, in a link algorithm, does it make sense for them to do this to like spend the extra processing time in order to like separate all all these words and and do it? I mean, I'm not, I can't answer that myself, and I'm not sure, you know, um, logistics of it and whether it's feasible or not. But you know, if they did do this, if they actually splitting out and some of these words, uh, segregating them specifically, you know, and for the how how would that change their index? I, I I I don't know, but I don't I don't see is it making sense for them because I mean there's a lot of ways that you can write anchor text in a link and have the different meanings for it and different desired actions for it, um, and so the fact that you know maybe that they're not actually segregating the words is probably a good thing. Right. Okay. All right. So let's one more question for you guys. Um, would you guys prefer a dedicated or share IP for SEO reasons, or do you think it doesn't make a difference? So let's start um, with Chris. Do you prefer a shared IP address or a dedicated IP address um, in terms of SEO, or do you think it doesn't make a difference? Uh, in the past, on a general overall percentage level, I've had better results on dedicated IPs, but I think that I've probably worked on... Uh, at least over the past few years, uh, a slightly larger number of sites that have dedicated 
so uh, ser- service. And, and uh, although we have seen, um, you know, every once in a while, you can. It, the, the thing is, is that you got to be really careful when you're using a, a server for multiple sites because of other issues where maybe uh, you know there can be some some problems where one site gets associated with another one that's on the same server. That's something we saw like two years ago when I was at G3 Group, and it was a really strange thing. And we finally figured it out is because on the same server. So um, it, this is not really something that I have dealt with too much in the past year myself, but uh, in, in the past I know that I would have probably preferred uh, the dedicated. Cool. And Ben, your choice? Um, yeah, I would have preferred a dedicated IP. Um, I don't say I've had necessarily huge problems with shared IPs, but um, you know, in, in terms of if I'm going to do a website for myself, I'll probably want to put on a dedicated IP just to kind of, you know, dot my eyes, cross my teeth type of stuff. Um, you know, I don't see a huge problem with shared IPs. Um, I think they seem to be fine. I know I've worked with lots of sites that are on shared IPs, seem to do great, no problems. But in terms of, you know, if I was doing it, I would do dedicated. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, um, next thing. Can too many 301 redirects hurt your SE- your site in terms of SEO? Um, I, I'll tell you, my, th- my personal thoughts is no. Um, I set up sites with literally an infinite number of 301 redirects. Uh, where we had to dynamically create a redirect string in order to figure out the old URLs, uh, mapping them to the new URLs. And a lot of times their tracking variables appended to those things like question mark equals advertiser equals 4 or tracking URL equals 43. And literally there's an infinite number of possibilities of those URLs. And I set up 301 redirects where they redirect to the new URL um, and pretty much is an infinite number of 301 redirects. I don't think it hurts the site at all. But... Let's start with um, Ben and get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't think you can have too many 301 redirects. Um, you know, I didn't look into the creative site forms thread specifically that much, but um, I don't think you know there's too many of them are necessarily going to hurt you. I mean, if it is a problem where there's like a bazillion of them and an infinite number, um, and Google or Yahoo or Emerson's having problems with them, maybe scale back. But I, I've never seen a real problem with it. Uh, I just I consulted with the site you know last week that you know was doing you know tens of thousands, hundred thousands of these 301s for old pages or old products that were you know getting phased out, and they didn't have a problem with it. Cool. And Chris, what are your thoughts? I'm with you guys. I mean, if you have the time and the ability to either in an automated fashion or in a manual fashion uh, take care of 301 redirecting as many old pages to new corresponding pages. To, you know, the one key thing to remember with the 301 is to always establish a one-to-one relationship if you can. And I think Ammon Johns makes a great point in that uh, deep URL should not really all be pointing to the home page of the new one because it's poor usability. And there's a great example of usability and SEO meshing nicely in, in terms of uh, the importance, I think. Okay, great. All right, so I think um, we're going to go right into lightning round now. So let's hit the lightning round. All right, so here we go. Lightning round. Um, Yahoo Autos was caught cloaking. Um, yeah, Tim Meyer over at Yahoo has confirmed that they had fixed the cloaking issue. Um, and that was on this morning's Daily Searchcast. It was pretty cool. Um, I talked about why I like Google Co-op search engine, What's why I like it, and also I also wrote a post about how Google's cu- custom search engine will not have universal results embedded within it. So if you do a search in a Google custom search engine, it will not have video or news results or anything like that smack in the middle like universal search has. Um, we also looked at a thread at Webmaster World that shows pages are ranking poorly in Yahoo but not well in Google. So I asked people to submit me a list of these examples, and I received a lot of um, examples of this, and I went ahead and submitted to Yahoo today, and hopefully we'll get a response within a week or so where I come back and report to you their uh, findings. But Yahoo will be doing an update tonight, so maybe that will fix some of the issues. We'll have coverage of that tomorrow on that. Next is um, Google has added several new people to the Google Webmaster Help Forum at Google Groups, which is great. Um, also, Yahoo... Um, launched their shorter descriptions for their ads, so that's live right now. Google AdWords is now bolding variations of keywords in the AdWords AdWords results. So if you do a search on iPod, it will bold things like iPods in the plural. Pretty interesting. Um, Google Microsoft has la- is going to launch this summer, hopefully, um, you know, uh, like a accreditation program for their ad center advertisers. 
uh, Google AdSense has spoken of our proxy site, saying it's sometimes allowed, but mostly not. And they spoke about that, and you can take a look at our blog post about that. Google AdSense team also said it's not okay to click on charity ads. Yahoo Publisher Network said they could terminate anybody's account for any reason. That's the same thing, you know, because it's a beta account. Google also offers advertisers a preview tool for their Google mobile ads. Google Maps allows you to search your neighborhood now. Um, also, um, I wrote how to allow Google to News to index only subscription-only sources. So let's say you have a news site that's only subscription-based. Google News will index it through uh, uh, certain types of means. Um, also show how you can optimize your videos to be included in Google.com web results. The June conferences are coming out in a week or so, and it's starting with SMX Seattle, then SES Toronto, and then SES Latino, all in the month of June. Um, at the Search Roundtable, we launched a new tag cloud, so go to seroundtable.com. On the left-hand side, it says tag cloud. It's pretty, it's pretty detailed. Um, tomorrow, Chris tells me that he will be on the Daily Searchcast with Danny Sullivan at 11.30 Eastern Time, so tune in to webmasterradio.fm for, to listen to Chris and Danny go at it on the Daily Searchcast. And I will be away for the next two days, so Chris and Ben hopefully will be doing some coverage. Uh, we do have some posts um, ready to go live, and that pretty much covers you know, the 31st edition of the, of the Search Pulse. Hope to post a recap tomorrow after, actually not tomorrow, I'll probably post it on Friday um, because I won't be around starting tonight. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at barryrustybrick.com or comment in the post that when I post it on Friday. Again, that was the 31st edition of this search poll. It took place Tuesday, May 22nd, and I look forward to seeing and speaking to you all um, next week at 5 p.m. Tuesday. Everyone have a great night, and thank you, Chris and Ben, again. Ta-da. Ta-da.